Good morning, everyone. Um, today's Sicha is being studied in the Schos of Rav Yosef Yitzchak Ben Simachasya for Rafur Shlema Kreva, and also in the Schos of the Chassan and Kala, the Kala and the Chassan, Hannah Poulter, who is the granddaughter of our classmate, Joni Tansky, and Menachem Mendel Greenberg, uh, in honor of their wedding, Bishatayva Mutzlachas. Um, today's sicha is, um, like so many others, extraordinary. Um, and like everybody else, I'm sure I've been watching um, the stories concerning the shluchais and the shluchim in the Ukraine and thinking to myself, wow, like, it's just amazing what people can do, what people are capable of and the heroism that they're displaying. And um, the Sikha speaks very, very poignantly um, to this idea of the unfathomable uh, depth within each one of us and, and how we can access that. But before that, um, we're going to look at the Chumash and Rashi, um, which the Rebbe is exploring in the Sikha, which is from Chelek Yudzayin, Shmini Gimel. Uh, the third Sikha on Parsha Shmini, in Chelek Yudzayin. So it would be helpful if we just um, look at the Psukim and uh, the Rashi, uh, and maybe some of the Rashis before the Rashi that the Rebbe explores in this Sicha. Um, so the story, of course, begins with the, with the dramatic and um, awesome story of Nadav, Nadav and Avihu, and um, they're wanting to come so close to the Abishra that, that their neshamas actually left this world. Um, and so there is a discussion that ensues about how Aaron and his remaining two sons should comport themselves in light of this terrible uh, tragedy. I mean, it is um, in, um, in the physical sense, of course, it's a tragedy, even though their neshamas left in, in a very spectacular way and for a very spectacular reason. And um, halakhically, Aaron and his sons are in a state of aninus, um, which is the most concentrated state of mourning after the loss of a loved one, one of the closest people to you for whom somebody would have to sit shiva. And the state of aninus endures from the moment of death until after burial. And during this time, um, the, the mourners um, are excused from mitzvahs ase and uh, therefore don't do mitzvahs ase. And so the question uh, that, that comes up here is the tension between the fact that halachically um, Aaron and his sons are in a state of aninus. And on the other hand, these are the Yemeha Miluim, this is the induction, this is the um, orientation for the Mishkan, and Aaron is, of course, the Kayan Gadol, and his sons are the Kayhanim, and they have many Avedis and Karbanis that they have to offer. And um, how to address the tension between these two obligations. On the one hand, the obligation of Aninos, on the other hand, the, the obligations they have to the Kahal, to the whole nation. And we know that the laws of mourning, that the Lord, laws of Avelos are tempered 
in terms of public expression and in terms of Shabbos and Yom Tov. And, um, and this was a week of Yom Tov. And so that is kind of a little bit of the backdrop. And um, let's take a look at Pasuk Tezayim. So the Sikha is on Pasuk Chaf, on Rashi's comment on Pasuk Chaf, but let's go back to Pasuk Tezayim. Um, so there had been already instructions from Moshe to Aaron and to Elazar and Isamar um, going back to Pasuk Yud Beis. But then in Pasuk Tezayim, the Torah tells us, but regarding the goat of the sin offering, and Rashi says this is the goat of the additional sacrifice for a shchedesh, because on that day they actually offered three goats, a sin offering for the installation, meaning because it was imehamiluim. Then they offered. Oseir Nachshain, the goat offered by Nachshain. And um, if you want to go back to Rashi on Pasuk Yud Beis, um, here, Rashi says under the words, Es HaMincha, Zu Mincha Shmini, or Minchas Nachshain. This is the meal offering of the eighth day of the installation and the mincha of Nachshain. And regarding the mincha of Nachshain, we're taught that Nachshain was a son of Aminadav and he was the Nasi of Yehuda. And he was the first to offer the, the korban for the Yimei Amiluim. And so therefore it was called the Seir Nachshain. And then there was the third, the Seir Reish Okay, um, so regarding the Seir of Rosh Chodesh, Moshe made a detailed inquiry. And Rashi says, He asked, why was this one burnt? And why were these eaten? Now, there is a machlekes about exactly what the argument was or the, the dialogue was between Moshe and Aaron. Um, Rabbi Yehuda has one, one way in which he reconstructs the debate and Rabbi Shimon reconstructs the debate differently. Um, but we'll, we know that the debate was certainly about the difference between karbonites that were specific for that day and that time, as opposed to karbonites that would be lederis, for instance, the karbon that was offered because it was Rosh Chodesh. So Moshe made a detailed inquiry about the Rosh Chodesh offering and behold, it was burnt. And Rashi says, why does it say he was angry with Elazar in the summer? Rashi says, Really, he was angry at Aaron. But out of respect for Aaron, he turned his face towards his sons to show his anger. And Omar Lahem, and he said to them, Hashivuni al Answer my questions. Answer my questions uh, that I am investigating about how you acted regarding this carbon. Why did you not eat this carbon in, in a holy place? 
כי קודש קדושם היא, for it is holy of holies. ואייסה נסן לכם, לסייס זבונה עדה. And this korban is a korban that was given to you, you must eat from it, because with this you give, um, you, you, you're able to bring atonement, kapara, to the whole nation. to atone for them before Hashem. Why did you do this with this carbon, which is so important because it impacts all of B'nai Yisrael? Behold, its blood was not brought inside the sanctuary. You should certainly have eaten it in a holy place as I specifically commanded you. Even though you are Ainanim, I commanded you to eat it, you should have eaten it. And so in Pasuk test, Aaron and Moshe, Aaron spoke in reply to Moshe, and Rashi tells us that Ayyadaber is an expression of harshness. And he said, Behold, today they brought their sin offerings. And they burnt, burnt offerings before Hashem. And then such tragedy befell me. If I had eaten the sin offering of Rosh would that have been good in the eyes of Hashem? And this was, of course, a rhetorical question because Aaron was telling Moshe that that would have been the wrong thing to do. That the korban that was going to be Lidiris, the korban of Rosh is not something that they should have eaten as Ainanim. Regarding the other two karbanis that were only specifically for that time in history, that their aninos had to yield to those two karbanis that were just l'shah, that were just for that time, but not the karbanis that are l'dairis. And so this is the Pasuk and Rashi that the Rebbe stops on. Ayishma Moshe, Moshe heard, and it was good in his eyes. He heard what Aaron said, and he accepted Aaron's ruling. Rashi, he admitted, he admitted the veracity, the justice of Aaron's argument, and he was not ashamed to say, I had not heard this. I never heard this halacha from Hashem. Thank you, Aaron, for teaching me this. This is the Rashi. These six words. He admitted, and he was not ashamed, embarrassed. I had not heard this halacha. Okay. Now we're going into the Sicha. We're doing Shemini Gimel. And the Pasuk that we just did, Moshe heard, and it was good in his eyes. He accepted Aaron's argument. He accepted Aaron's Psaq Halacha. Perish Rashi. Rashi comments. It was good in his eyes. What does this mean? He admitted that Aaron was correct. And not only did he admit, but he was not um, bashful 
And he did not hold back from saying, I had never heard this. I did not know this. And regarding Rashi's intention here with his perush, the super commentaries on Rashi, you could see that the Rebbe in the footnote, the Re'em, the Kor'ayi, and others wrote, because that if that Rashi means to say that if Moshe would have been embarrassed, he would have said, shamati. I didn't hear. So this means, it's as if Rashi would have said, in other words, they're going to now insert certain words here. According to the commentaries, they understand Rashi is saying that he that that Moshe did not say because he was embarrassed. Loi shamati, I never heard this. But because he was not embarrassed to admit this, Loi Omar, he did not say Loi shamati, I never heard. Elahida. He admitted that he had heard this from Hashem. Va'amar, and he said, Shamati v'shachachti. I had heard this from Hashem, and I forgot what Hashem told me. And this is Kipirish HaGemara Bazar. And this is in accordance with what the Gemara teaches on these words. So again, let's look again at the words of Rashi. Haida, he admitted. V'loi and he was not embarrassed to admit his fallibility, his mistake. And therefore, he did not say, I had never heard this. Rather, he said, I had heard this and I forgot. That's according to the Gemara. Omnam, however, Rashi, but in accordance with a simple reading of Rashi, This explanation is very hard to superimpose on the simple reading of Rashi. Kiadua, as is well known, Rashi Rashi wrote his commentary in a clear and elucidated and illuminated style. So that even a Ben Chamesh Lemikra, again, whether chronologically the five-year-old or in terms of learning the novice, should be able to understand it clearly and simply. And if Rashi really intended to say that Moshe admitted that he had heard this from Hashem, but had simply forgotten it, then for sure Rashi would not have left out the most important point, and he would have commented, he would have commented on exactly what Moshe did say to Aaron, and especially because the Gemara feels it necessary to insert the words, and the Gemara is for older people, right? Ben Chamesh Lemikra, Ben 
Shisha Mishnah and only later to the Gemara, right? So if the Gemara feels compelled to put in the words and doesn't rely on the learner to know that this means Shamati Vishakhti, why would Rashi not put this in if this is indeed his intention? Upashud Gamkin. And it's also just as simple. That it can't be that Rashi is relying that in the Gemara it says that 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 Moshe admitted that he heard this and he forgot it. Because as I've already explained many times, because Rashi's job and Rashi's style is to comment on the pshat of the psukim ad lock in the place where that thing needs to be explained, on the words in the Chumash. And not to rely on what is explained elsewhere. And especially in this case, and especially in this case, where Rashi did not cite the Gemara as his source. So the Rebbe was machadish, that when Rashi does cite a source, which is infrequently, Rashi relies on at least the Talmud Mumlach, the, the more astute student, but it seems Rashi is relying on all students to go to that source and see what else in that source can illuminate what he's trying to explain. But here Rashi did not cite the Gemara. So it seems completely illogical to suppose, to posit that Rashi is relying that the Mechamish Lemikra is going to go to the Gemara, find this explanation, and understand that it applies here as well. In fact, the Rebbe says, from all of the above, from the fact that Rashi's stated mandate is to give us shot, and from the fact that he did not cite the Gemara, and from the fact that he did not put in the most seminal words, Shamapti Vishakhti, I heard and I forgot, from all of this, it makes more sense the opposite. Sherashi, that Rashi, who is synonymous with the simple explanation of the Pasuk, that what Rashi is teaching is not in accordance with what the Gemara teaches. And especially because this whole discussion appears also in the Medrash, Tairis Kahanim, Visham And over there, it does not agree, it does not conform with what the Gemara says. And here, Rashi cites in accordance with what the Tairis Kahanim teaches and not with the Gemara. Base. Okay, so here the Rebbe says, I don't agree with the Shita with the svara, with the opinion that you have to interpolate, what's, what's the word? Interpolate? Interpolate this Rashi by putting in those additional words. The Rebbe says, no, I don't agree with that. And, yeah, and we have to understand additional things. Aleph, mahu hakreshi sheyeshkan me'ikarabakasu. Exactly what is the question in this puzzle? The Rashi feels he has to reconcile something through his explaining that Moshe um, 
conceded that Moshe acknowledged that Aaron was right and he was not embarrassed to do so. Lich it would seem, it would seem that there is nothing to explain here. The words of the Pasuk, all four of them, speak for themselves very simply. Vayishma Moshe, Moshe heard, and la'achar shashama Moshe tainas Aaron. And after Moshe heard what Aaron had to say, it was good in his eyes. He agreed. What is the difficulty here in this Pasuk that Rashi has to bechlal comment at all? That was Aleph, Beis. From where is there the imperative in the simple understanding of this pasuk to emerge with the teaching that Moshe admitted and he wasn't embarrassed to say, I never heard this from Hashem. Now, yesh mefarshim, there are mefarshim, there are mefarshim that, that posit that the imperative for Rashi's explanation here comes from the words Vayishma Moshe. Why? Because at first blush, it would seem that these words are extra. Because it's simple that Moshe would have listened to what Aaron was saying to him. I mean, the Pasuk tells us, Aaron. Aaron spoke to him. So what, Moshe is not going to hear? And so once the Pasuk tells us, Aaron, that Aaron spoke to Moshe, the Pasuk should only have said, the only new information we need is that Moshe actually agrees with what Aaron says. But why does the Pasuk have to tell us, give us kind of this play-by-play action, Aaron spoke, spoke, Moshe listened. Why, why is that important? Therefore, these, these commentaries, these super commentaries explain that the words Vayishma Moshe come to teach that what Aaron told Moshe and Moshe heard from Aaron, Moshe had already heard once before. From who? From Hashem. It's only that he lost this information, he forgot it. And therefore, it was good in his eyes. Because through the agency of Aaron's words, he was reminded of what Hashem had told him. And therefore, it was good in his eyes. But the Rebbe says, but it would seem that this is not the way to understand this. Certainly not Rashi. The intention of Rashi is not this. Because in addition to the questions of the Mefarshim, which if you're going to explain the way we just did, that the words by Yishma Moshe are the troublesome words in this Pasuk, and they come to teach us that this is not talking about what Moshe heard from Aaron, but rather what Moshe had heard from Hashem earlier, we have new problems. Aleph, if we were to 
to accept this thesis, then Aleph, then the Pasuk should have said, he heard and not Vayishma Moshe. It should have been in past tense and not in present tense or something like that, that would have delineated past tense, to underscore that this was something Moshe had heard in the past. Rashi should have written this explanation on the words Vayishma Moshe, rather than on the words Vayita Be'enav. Sorry, somebody want to ask me? Okay, I thought I heard. Um, and in according to this, Rashi should have written more clearly. Especially because this is such a chidush, and this obviates the simple explanation of what it means by Yishma Moshe. Kipshute. The words by Yishma Moshe refer to what he heard from Aaron, not what he had heard from Hashem at a previous occasion. And at the very least, at the very least, Rashi should have included the words, I heard and I forget. I forgot. Because that way, at least, on some level, we would have been able to understand that this is what Rashi is trying to tell us on the words by Yishma Moshe. But Rashi doesn't do any of these things. And so therefore, the Rebbe rejects this thesis. But before he explains how we should understand this Rashi, he says there are more things we have to understand. And I cannot resist to tell Nechami Silverberg just how wonderful it is to see you with your chin warmer. I wax nostalgic for those... Uh, for those days. I, I hope you can shed that very soon. Gimel. The Parshas Matais. So Parshas Matais, on the words, Elazar Hakayin said, Perish Rashi, Rashi teaches, because Moshe was in a state of angry, anger, he came to make a mistake. And this is why Elazar HaKayin taught the words about purging vessels uh, that come from Goyim, the laws that we would call today kashering, and then later tefillah. This is why Elazar taught it and not Moshe, because Moshe was in a state of anger, and therefore he made a mistake. And it was, um, it, it was uh, obscured from him the halachas concerning koshering, purging vessels that come from non-Jews. This had to do with the booty that the Jews uh, brought home from the war. And then Rashi goes on to say, and you find the same thing in Parsha Shmini Liminluim, when it talks about the induction, uh, the orientation uh, of, of the Mishkan. It says over there that Moshe got angry on the two remaining sons of Aaron, Elazar and Isamar. He came to anger, and he came to make a mistake, which Aaron had to correct him on. And Rashi continues, and the same thing when he said, 
listen up, you rebellious ones, and he hit the rock. This is a third time where through his anger, he made a mistake. Okay, so that's Rashi Amatis, Omikan Shamanu. And from this we understand that Al Pipshat, Yesh Sayrach Bitam Behezber Mepne Maba Moshilach Al Tolis. That according to Pshat, it is necessary to understand how Moshe Rabbeinu could come to make a mistake. The in came. And if Rashi feels in Parshas Mata, he said it's imperative to explain how it is that Moshe should make a mistake or that halacha should be obscured from him. Ain't a move on, that it's not understood what happens in our puzzle here. Koyishi Zev, this difficulty. How is it possible for Moshe to come make a mistake? Should arise here in our parsha. This is the first instance. The imkain hayarashi lefarish kan sheta usoi ba besibas mashabal lechlal kas. So we would have expected that Rashi should explain here that his mistake, his mistaken assumption about the kabbanis, happened because he got angry. The lama mashmein uzeis Rashi rak beparshas matis the leitekev alasar beparshasenu. So why does Rashi only raise this in matis and not right here, where it would seem to be where Rashi should explain this? And in other sikhs, the Rebbe explains that while Rashi relies on the Ben Chamesh Lamikra to remember everything he learned before, the the pasuk and the Rashi. Rashi does not rely on the Menchamesh Lamikra to know what's coming ahead. So if this is an important thing that Rashi feels compelled to comment on a Parshish Matais, why not here explain how is it that Moshe came to make a mistake? Dalit. And here the Rebbe is going to resolve all of these questions. Kavanas Rashi, the intention of Rashi b'masha perish in his comment that Moshe agreed, that Moshe uh, conceded, he admitted, and he was not embarrassed to say, I had not heard. He kepashtus haloshim. The Rebbe is emphatic here that this should be understood al pipshat. Moshe hoida, he admitted, and he was not embarrassed, and therefore, Amar and the Ella Amar, and therefore he said, Shamati, I never heard this from Hashem. My brother has information I never got. Hainu. This means He admitted that he never heard from Hashem the difference between the halacha is concerning a sacrifice that would be brought only at a certain junction in history, and halach and, and the karbanes that would be brought always ledairis. One of which is that he goat for And the reason that Rashi does not embrace the understanding of the Gemara, which would be that he was not embarrassed to say, I heard it and I forgot it. 
the reason why Rashi doesn't embrace that he did hear this distinction from Hashem, but he forgot. And he admitted this and he was not embarrassed. And he said, I heard and I forgot. It's very simple. Why does Rashi not embrace the explanation of Gemara? Because the explanation of the Gemara does not jibe with the Pshute Shal Mikra, with a simple explanation of what is going on here. Aleph. Ma shvach yesh bedavar klape Moshe Rabbeinu sha'amar es ha'emes v'lo hefach ha'emes. First of all, what is the great praise being heaped on Moshe that he said the truth and he didn't say a lie? Really? So that's Aleph. Bez. And how is it possible that Moshe would express himself regarding something that he heard from Hashem, it was good in his eyes? Like, oh, Hashem had this idea, and yeah, God, you have a great idea. God says, no, this doesn't make sense that Moshe would have expressed himself that way about the Evishter. And Gimel, Ve'ikar, and the main thing is, Halashan Vayita Be'enav, the terminology was good in his eyes. It means that there actually was place to consider another opinion. And the words come to teach us that even though there is another way of ruling Moshe embraced this opinion. But if you were to embrace the idea that Moshe did hear it, but he forgot it, that this was good in the eyes of Hashem. So if it's good in the eyes of Hashem, what is the pastor coming to teach us? That Moshe thinks that God is smart, has great ideas, He's going to agree with him. And therefore, because of these difficulties in Pshat, Rashi means exactly what he said. Pshat. That he Moshe did not hear this distinction from Hashem. And like Rashi explains on the previous Dibra Maschil, when Aaron asked of Moshe that rhetorical question, do you think this will be good in the eyes of Hashem? And Rashi says, If you heard what Hashem said about Kachisha, then you shouldn't be mekil regarding kashi dairis. There's a difference. And so in accordance with this, it's understood. Aleph. The praise that is being heaped on Moshe, that he admitted, and he was not embarrassed to say, I never heard this. Why does Moshe we deserve praise because Moshe could have simply been silent and silence is a form of agreement. 
אוי, אפילו לא אמר שהצדק עם ארון, ולא לא הדיע שלא שמעתי, or Moshe could have said, you're right, but he could have stopped short of saying, I never heard this halacha from Hashem, but he didn't do that. He acknowledged in full-throated manner that he never learned this. And this is a tremendous anivos, that there's something that he, Moshe Rabbeinu, did not learn directly from Hashem, and he learned from Aaron. And the explanation of the words, and it was good in his eyes. So now we understand that this is a big deal that it was good in his eyes. Why? Because this was not something Moshe learned from Hashem. It was the Sfara of Aaron. So for him to embrace it, this is great praise for Aaron. There, there's, there's, there's tremendous import and gravitas in the words Vayitav Be'enav. So I was saying, if you want to say that he heard it from Hashem, the words Vayitav Be'enav don't make sense. What, Hashem is saying, oh, Hashem has a good idea? Moshe is saying Hashem has good ideas? But if you understand that Rashi meets what he says, I'll peep shot, that Moshe never heard it from Hashem, then Vayitav Be'enav, that, 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 that's very important. That although there is a different svara, and although Moshe never heard this svara from Hashem himself, he embraced Aaron's svara. And this is Afshem, Atzinu, Shekachi, Darius, Hushru, Bekama, Didim, Lekachi, Shah. And this is though, even though in other contexts we find that there are certain aspects, certain halachas of kache deres, of karbanas that would be brought for all time, that are synonymous with the halachas of kache shah, of the karbanas that are brought only on very specific occasion. Like for instance, what Rashi cites in an earlier Rashi, Parshas Pesach Mitzrayim. Like, for instance, Rashi explains in Parsha's boy that many of the halachas, not all, that um, devolved upon the original Korban Pesach in Mitzrayim would later devolve on the Korban Pesach that was brought in the Batei Mikdash. So even though Moshe had not heard it from Hashem directly, and even though Moshe had a different svara, and even though there's place to say that it's not so pasha to make a distinction between kachesha and kachedayas, because in many instances the halachas are the same, still in all, vayita be'enav, shall Moshe hapsak shechriya arei. It was good in the eyes of Moshe, the psak that Aharon had put forth. Hey. So what is Rashi's kushia? What is Rashi's real question here? Which brought Rashi, which compelled Rashi to write these specific words. I'm sorry, to first of all give a parish at all, and then to give this specific parish. The way the Rebbe understands it, it's not that Vayishma Moshe is the extra words, it's that Vayitav Be'enav, that it was good in his eyes, are extraneous. 
Because what does this really teach us? We've already acknowledged that it's simple, it's pshat, that Moshe would have listened to what Aaron told him. They're having a conversation. The Rebbe says, he concedes that, yes, the words Vayishma Moshe are extra. But what would they come to tell us? Not that Moshe heard, but that Moshe agreed. Like in Yiddish, there's Herrn und der Herrn. There's listening, and then there's really hearing what was said. So the Rebbe says that we understand that Rayishma Moshe here doesn't mean that Moshe, you know, he heard what Aaron said. It means he really listened, like in the other places where this is taught to us. Havanas hadvarim bekabalasam. That Rayishma means that you understand what is said and you accept what is said. The opposite of it going into one ear and going out the other. Hainu. So the words here, Vayishma Moshe, come to teach us that what Aaron told him was accepted in his das. It was accepted in his understanding. So once you understand that the words Vayishma Moshe here have to be understood in a different way because otherwise they're superfluous. Of course, if Ayidaber Aaron, if Moshe is speaking, I'm sorry, if Aaron is speaking, Moshe is listening. So the words Vayishma Moshe come to teach that he understood and he accepted it. So once he once the Tyrede tells us he understood and he accepted it, what does Vayitav Be'enov come to add? These words are now superfluous. So why both expressions, both Vayishma and Vayita Be'enov? And so you're forced to say, You must concede that there are no extra words in the Torah. Therefore, the words Vayita Be'enov come to teach something extra, something additional on top of the words Vayishma Moshe. It's not just that what Aaron taught was accepted in the thought process and in the understanding of Moshe. But there is something additional that the Torah is teaching us here with these words. So what is the additional dimension? And how is this expressed? Therefore, Rashi comments, Rashi's intention here is to teach us that the words Vayita Be'enav on top of the words Vayishma Moshe explain 
that it wasn't just Vayishma Maisha, that he accepted it and he understood it, but he so embraced Aaron's thesis. He was so aligned with what Aaron taught him. It was so Vayita Be'enav that he went and he taught it to everybody else. So you know how when you hear something exciting, I don't know, maybe not everybody's like this, but my kids say I'm like this. If I hear something exciting or I read something exciting, then anybody I meet or I find that day, I, I share it with them because I just like want to share it with them. Um, so it's, that's, that's what the Rebbe is saying here. And with this, the Pasuk is also letting us know regarding the praise of Moshe. That he conceded, he acknowledged, and he wasn't embarrassed to say, I never heard this before, Perush. He acknowledged and he um, he publicized the fact that Shamati that he had never heard it. Although it wasn't necessary for Moshe to tell other people that he had never heard this. It would have been enough if he would have simply agreed with Aaron's shita. He did not have to go as far as saying, wow, this he is so right. And I never even heard this from Hashem myself. Vav. Rifti? Yeah. When you say about publicizing it to others, is Rashi knows that because of the double, because of the Vayishma Maisha and Vayitav Be'enav, meaning we're, how do we know that it was not only that he listened to Aaron, but he also piercing? If you look at footnote 23, I think that's what, I didn't learn this before, but I have a feeling um, that that's what the Rebbe is saying. Let, let's look again at the meaning. Is the Rebbe getting it from the double the double language? Yes, for sure. The Rebbe is double, double yeah. not necessary. Therefore, it's not that he heard it, but he also publicized it. Yeah, but there yeah. seems to be a diok here on a word loimar. So let's take a look um, where that word is. Ah, the, the Rebbe is saying, look at Rashi. Haida, v'loi baish. Okay. Rashi did not have to include the word loimar. He could have said haida v'loi baish. He, he admitted, and he was not ashamed. Loishamati, I have not heard this. In other words, the word loimar is not only that he admitted like to Aaron, but like he loimar, to tell others. So in accordance with what the Rebbe has explained, that what Rashi says here is not that Moshe said I heard it, but I forgot, but that Moshe said, I never heard this. Move on, Mashaloi Perish Kan Rashi Kibaparshas Matais. Now we go to answer the question of why does Rashi not include here 
what he says in Parshas Matais, which is that Moshe came to make a mistake in the halacha because he got angry. That once he came to anger, he came to mistake. Because once we understand that that this this argument between Moshe and Aaron is not so cut and dried, it's actually toli bisvara. It depends on the thesis that you adopt. And there is room. In accordance with logic, it's not like illogical to say either way. Both have a place in logic. You could either say that there's a difference between how you treat kache shah and kache deres, or you could say you treat them the same way. They're both logical. So once you understand that there are two svaras, he nekan mitzap mikra, ein rashi muchrach limkait chidash so here, in accordance with the pshat of the pasuk, the context over here, Rashi does not have to cite this huge novel idea. There are two novelties. One, that Moshe could get angry. And second, that Moshe could come to a mistake. But here, contextually, that's not Rashi's focus. Why? Because it's not about a mistake. It's about a difference in approach, which the Rebbe is now going to unpack for us, Alpi Chasidus, the difference in approach. But Rashi's point here is the greatness of Moshe, that even though Moshe had a different approach to this question, he embraced Aaron's approach. And he not only conceded begrudgingly, he not only conceded tacitly, he conceded in a full-throated manner that he never heard this. But in contradistinction in Parshas Matais, but over there it's very clear that because he got angry, he made a mistake. That's a big novelty. And that arises, that arouses the question of why this anger brought to this mistake. So once Rashi is talking about the fact that Moshe can make a mistake, which is a huge novel idea. So then he's explaining that it comes from anger. So then he's explaining that it happened a few times. There was a similarly novel thing that happened. You find it in the eighth day of the orientation of the, the Mishkan. Because once, according to Pshut Mikra, Rashi feels compelled to explain this. Then he already says, where else it happens? Shuv, yesh lefarish came, gam b'negelish t'mini l'miluim. Sha'af kan v'yitzav ha'goyim. So then over there, Rashi does explain that here too, his anger was the cause. It was that the anger here too was the, the, the reason why he did not discern the difference between and 
Even though by Aaron it was clear. So if it was so clear by Aaron, why wasn't it clear by Moshe? It was because of his anger. Okay. So Adkan was the treatment of the Rashi. Now, Zion, Miena Shelter Beperish Rashi. And now, when we squeeze the grape terror and we get the wine, the most, uh, the, 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 the greatest thing about a grape is the wine. Reb explains like this. Once we understand that the difference of opinion had to do with a difference in conceptual approach, so now we have to, we have to explore this. Aleph. First, we have, we have to understand, why did Moshe feel that there is no difference between the sacrifices that were brought, that were distinct to that particular time, and the sacrifices that would be brought all the time, like, for instance, the carbon brought for Shredesh, and why Aaron felt that there was a distinction. That's number one. Number two, since Maisha held that there was no difference, and he held to his opinion so steadfastly that when he saw what the sons of Aaron did, he got angry at them that they had not treated the Kachi Dairis like the Kachi Shah and they had not eaten them. By Yiksaf, he got angry. So um, it, it's not just that, okay, this is my opinion. <laughs> he was incensed that they didn't do it that way. So what made him change his Svara when he heard what Aaron said to him? And Aaron did not present proof. And not only did he concede that Aaron was right, but it was good in his eyes. And as Reb explained to us, he told other people. And he went as far as saying, I never heard this. Oh, I see. Yeah, Rachi's correct. It's not. It's suhern in Yiddish means when you when you hear and you and you integrate the message. And we might say that the explanation for why Moshe held the way he did, and yet on the other hand, when Aaron told him what Aaron told him, why he was able to embrace so fully Aaron's svar. The difference between Moshe and Aaron could be understood in accordance with what the Medrash teaches us that Aaron is about Chesed and Moshe is about Emes. And one of the differences between truth and kindness is as follows. In Yana Shela Emes Hushain Ba Shinuyim Klaus. The um, central motif, you could say, of truth is that it never changes. 
in all times and in all places, the truth is always the same. This is a distinctive characteristic of truth. And this truth remains the truth in the same level and in this, with the same strength. But when it comes to kindness, which is all about lavishing good upon another, you could say that MS is about the producer side and chesed is about the consumer. And when it comes to chesed, which is all about the consumer, there is an imperative to reckon with the individual, with each and every individual and their distinctiveness, who has to be the receiver, the recipient of what you're trying to lavish upon them. And people are not the same. And even more, Every time a person does a kindness with somebody else, and another, so number one, with chesed, it's about the recipient. Number two, every time a person does something for somebody else, there is going to be differentiation. There is going to be differences because none of us remain the same. And so there's going to be a difference both on the side of the mashpia and the way that it comes down to the other person. Valderach Maimarazal. And like Chazal taught us, Hishpata alehim roif tuva This is the story of Chani Hamagal. There was a terrible drought, and Chani Hamagal, uh, this great sage, he drew a circle. That's why he came to be known as Chani Hamagal, Chani the Circler. Um, he drew a, a a circle around him, a circumference, and he said he's not going to move. He's going to daven to Hashem. He's not going to move till Hashem brings rain. And at the beginning, the rain came down in such a torrential downpour that it was overwhelming and dangerous. And Chayni said, Rain is a blessing because it comes down in drops. But you brought a deluge upon them. You, you can't do that. So the Rebbe is saying that MS is always the same, whereas Chesed is always going to be variation. And there has to be variation. So Moshe, since he's the Midav Emes, so in his world outlook, in his Svara, in his Mida, whenever there's a suffix, whenever there's a doubt as to how to comport yourself, from the perspective of Emes, don't make changes. Don't make changes based on time, on place, on um, situation. Don't make, don't make changes. And therefore, in what we are studying now, 
So he taught and he understood that there is no difference between Kachi Darius and Kachi Shah. So the holiness that is attached to an offering at this time has to remain attached to all the offerings for all time. But when you look at the same question, at the same kind of... Um, you come to the same junction, but you're coming from the perspective of Chesed, Madrigas Aaron, which is the level of Aaron, Shenyana Haya Ayev Shalom, Varedev Shalom, Ayevaz Abrias, Makarvan Latayra, that about Aaron it says he loved peace, he, he pursued peace, he loved all of God's creations, creatures, and he brought them close to Torah. Hainu Shehis Maser Laman Bene Yisrael meaning that he was devoted, completely devoted to B'nai Yisrael, inclusive of those who, as the Rebbe has explained in many sikhas, are only referred to as creations, meaning that they're only, the only uh, kind thing you could say about them is that God created them and God doesn't create junk. And because he was so devoted to them, the way that he was mashpia on them was very differentiated, each one in accordance with their level and their situation. And so therefore, in his eyes, in his eyes, yes, there is a distinction between the holiness attached to karbanais that are for a very specific time and the holiness that's attached to karbanais that are for all time. The difference is on the side of the consumer, on those that receive, those that are involved in the karbanis. It's not possible, it's not feasible to demand the same level, a uniform level of holiness on the part of all people that will bring karbanis in every time, in every place, in every situation. It's just not possible. Ches. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm struggling with I'm struggling with this concept of MS. The whole point of MS is that it penetrates everything and anything. That's the Briya Hatichain in Tanya. So how do we say How do we stop and say that MS is limited? Something, I don't know, maybe it's a question that uh, I'm having. No, no, Esther, Esther I, I don't think, uh, you know, this is the classics, events of Vumaret. Depends, you know, contextually what you're saying. You could say Lahefach. Because MS is all suffusive and unchanging and eternal, it encompasses everybody and everything, but in Eifin Hamakif, and Aaron's approach is more in the Eifin Pnimi. And, and this is a binary that's necessary at all times and in all places. They're both true. And we have this constantly in Hasidus, right? You have that every Yid is the same as every other Yid. And then you have, and the Rebbe actually writes, uh, you know, uh, on, on this in Tanya, that how could you say that 
And then, and then the Alter Rebbe goes and, and explains but that there are differentiations between Hashemas. That's exactly the point. So why is that not Ems? No, so it's it's not it, it, it they're they're both both things both things exist. The way in which Emes is all suffusive, and let's say in that example of a Chadukulana, on that level, all Jews are equal. And at the same time, there's also the differentiation. And, and there's an Ashama from Matzilas, and then there are Nishamas, and the Rebbe is going to talk about an Ashama from Matzilas. Moshe was from Matzilas, but most of us are not from Matzilas. And both things are true. So I don't think it takes away from what, you know, what we say about Emma that it's all suffusive. I'm going to have to think about this. Something it's, about here that something it's that. It's two things. <laughs> it's, it's two things that don't. I, I don't see how they take, they take one takes away from the other. They're both true. But I could be, I'm not understanding it as deeply. No, as no, 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 no. I'm yeah. sure they're both true. My question is, is why is the word MS being used here in a way that is limiting? That's what I'm, I, I, what? No, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's limiting. I don't think it's being used as limiting. I don't think it's being used as limiting. But in this instance, I'm soon going to explain Moshe conceded that Aaron was correct. I, 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 think, I think if you think about Makif and Pnimi, that will be helpful. Okay, thank you. Because, because the Arha Makif is everything. It's the truth of your existence. But at the same time, you need the Arha Pnimi that vivifies every limb separately. I can give you an argument on that. Bria is what is pinimi. No, I just don't understand. It. So I, I'm uh, I'm struggling, but it's okay. Let's go on because maybe we just have to hear more, and then we'll I'll, I'll understand better. <laughs> maybe and and maybe you're maybe you're talking about something I'm totally not getting. And please, I'm sure you'll discuss with other people. And please come back and and teach us next week. Why can't two things be true at the same time, yet not limited? I'm not. Sh- I'm, I'm, maybe I don't understand why she's struggling. <laughs> okay. We're, we're saying that Moshe is Emes and right. Aaron is Chesed. Chesed takes in account the person. Emes is Emes. Well, wait a minute. Why isn't that Emes too? It, Emes has to penetrate everything. So it must take into account every person because that's but truth. But it truth doesn't change. But the MS doesn't change. MS is Mavriachatichim. It moves. It moves and it forms a corner. It it's a little, I don't know, whatever. I, I'm having struggling. It's no, let's carry the class away. I'm I'm going on mute. Forget it. I know. Listen, Esther, I, I think it speaks to a, a, a it doesn't take away from what you're saying about MS, but if we want to struggle a little more, and another example of it depends what you're talking about. So when you compare, um, on the one hand, chesed, on the other hand, gibura, in chesedus, it talks in many places that chesed is about the producer, what the person wants to lavish, what the person wants to give. And gibura is about discipline. It's about the consumer. So it's interesting that here the Rebbe is saying that chesed is about the consumer. In many other places in chesed, chesed is about the producer. Correct. 
Right. So I guess it moves also. <laughs> exactly. That, that the MS is that all of this is MS. That, that these are all, you know, these are all why different. Can't, why things. can't something move and not change? That's exactly the question. So then why isn't it my MS? What do you mean, why can't something move and not change? What Me, does movement mean? Move, I can move the chair. I didn't change the chair. But you changed something. But I didn't change, change the essence. The essence of the chair is still you the chair. You its place. Yeah, but you I didn't change, change the chair. No, no, no. You changed something. Anyway, but let's go on because okay. we'll, we can do this forever. But do you see how much Nachas the Rebbe is having from this? Okay, so where are we? I think, let, let, let's just go back um, to the last paragraph. I think, um, and therefore, and therefore, because of who Moshe is, his vara, according to Emes, he should inyan anywhere where there's a suffix, you always have to uh, paskin the same way for all times and all places. And therefore, over here, Maisha paskin that the Kachay Dairis and the Kachay Shah have the same halacha. But in contradistinction from the, from the perspective of Chesed, from the Madrig of Arain, he is all about being mashpia on every person. So you have to be attentive to the Mechabel and to the way in which they're able to receive. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I forgot where we were. So now we're ches. Seif ches. Ha'inin hana. So the, the above, what we just said above. And what we just explained uh, is parallel to, it jibes with the idea that we're taught that Moshe is the Shushbina, is the unterfer, is the accompanier of the king, and Aaron is the accompaniment of the queen. So Moshe is the accompaniment of Hashem, and Aaron is the accompaniment of Bnei Yisrael, Knesset Yisrael. Mitzad Moshe Shushbina de Malka. So from the perspective of Moshe, he is the one who accompanies God. Is askos b'malka. He is busy with and attentive to Hashem Ugdorav and his so-called parameters. Hainu shemamshich elukus b'Yisrael melmaila lamata. So he's all about importing godliness from above to below, from Hashem to Bnei Yisrael. And so from Maisha's perspective, the light comes down here, the way the light is in unvarnished and unfettered form above, in Atzilus, with no differentiation. And that was reflected in his Avoida in this world, in the way in which he drew down Elokos to Bnei Yisrael. 
אבל מצד בחינוס ארון, but from the perspective of ארון, שיש בינה דמטרוניסה, the accompaniment or the accompanier of בני ישראל, ההיס אסקוס במטרוניסה, he was attentive and busy with the queen, כנסת ישראל, וגדריה, and her parameters, היינו שמיילה, אז כנסת ישראל מלמטה למיילה. This is the Avaidah of elevating B'nai Yisrael from below to above. Hare ha'ala tluya b'matzavam u'madrigosam shal B'nai Yisrael. This Avaidah of elevation depends on the situation and the level of B'nai Yisrael. V'lachain b'avaidah zu yeshnam shinuyim l'fi erech matzavay shal hamata. And therefore, in this Avaidah, there is going to be variation and differentiation depending on what's going down, what's, what's happening on the lower level. So Maish is taking the elevator from above to below. And Aaron is taking the elevator from below to above. And when you're coming from below to above, there are going to be distinctions based on what's going on on the ground floor. Tess, v'afalpik. And although... Moshe and Aaron were coming from two different places and they embody two different modalities, two different energies, two different spiritual services. But after Moshe heard from Aaron that from the perspective of the Avoida that has to be done by the creations of Hashem in Oilam Ha'asiya, in this world, there are distinctions. And the Avoida of what has to be done at certain times is not the same as the Avoida that would be done in all generations, meaning that there are beferish distinctions and variations, and there is multifariousness, and there is plurality, and it's not all uniform, and it's not all static. Then you have a whole pasuk dedicated to talking about how Moshe accepted this, even though it went against everything that he was. Niskabel hadavar gametzel Moshe. He accepted this. And so it's understood from this that it's not only that Moshe conceded that from the perspective of Aaron, okay, it has to be this way, from the perspective of Chesed. But the big, huge thing here is that Moshe embraces and acknowledged and publicized that even from the perspective of MS, this is the truth. Maybe this helps Esther. And, and look very quickly at footnote 37. It does. Oh, good, good. It, now I'm, under, I'm understanding MS now exactly what, I mean, not exactly the way that I was think, trying to say. MS here is the concept of two elements and chesed of two elements of relationship. And to get to the whole truth, you must have if you want relationship up and down. Yes, that's what it's talking about the truth and the kindness within relationship. And anyway, that's the way I see it. So thank you very much. Because you can't have, you can't have relationship without both. MS will break it and kindness will kill it with love. So anyway, that's why I take it. So thank you very much.
The Rebbe says, in like fashion, we can understand now in Pirkei Avais, Parak Aleph, Mishnah Tezbov, where Shammai says of a Mikabel as Kol Adam B'Sever Panim Yafis. Of all people, it's Shammai who says, greet everyone with a beautiful, kind, happy face. Even though we find about Shammai, famously, that he acted in the opposite way. Concerning the non-Jewish uh, perspective converts, as the Gemara relates. And when he says, have a Mikabel called Adam Saver Pan Yafis, it includes all people. Ella, the Rebbe says, Laachar Sha'amar Hillel Avaisham Mishnah Yud Beis. But in Mishnah Yud Beis, Hillel taught, Have a Mitalmidav Shalaran, Oyev Shalam Bechulu Bechulu, right? Paul Gamal Shamai. So when Hillel taught that, this also affected Shammai, Shahaya Mephinas Hagburis, and even though Shammai was the Mida of Gvura, Shagam Hu Yoimar, the Havei Mikabel is Kol Ha'adam Besever Panim Yafis. Anyway, I just thought that was very, very beautiful. The idea of this is also connected to the idea of Havei Mikabel, that you, you have to accept the Emes, and even when it's the opposite of, of what makes you tick, as it were. Okay, v'habir b'zeh. So now the Rebbe explains this further. Aydas avaydas habenunim mevor betanya. Concerning the avayda of benunim, the Tanya explains sha'avazu hamur bebenunim. That when you talk about the avas Hashem, the benunim have legabe madrekas habenunim nikras avayda. So relative to a benuni, this is an avayda. And this is an avoida be'emes because it conforms with their madriga. And yet the very same level of avas Hashem is not considered an avoida be'emes if you're talking about a tzad. Why? Because the Bainanese Avas Hashem passes and changes after davening. <laughs> During davening, he could be all of fire and really loving Hashem. But then, uh, then, then it passes. Uksiv. And it says, this is a Mishlei, Svas Emes Tikrin La'at. What you say should should always stand true. And you should completely destroy sheker. So there's an element of avoda that is considered an avoda of ms for the benuni, even though it's not consistent. And from the perspective of the tzaddik, would be would be sheker, would be something that has to be completely cast aside. In an emes betachlis, because true emes yeshne be can be found only in godliness. 
וכמשה כסוף, והוויה לקים אמס. השם איזה אמס. ואילו באלה מצד עצמי, לא ייתכן עניין של אמס כלל. So, in this world, the world on its own has no שייכס to אמס. Why? כיוון שכל ענייני העולם הם נבראים, חווים ונפסדים. Because everything in this world is temporal, it's transient, it's ephemeral, it's fleeting, it's here, today, gone, tomorrow. Va'al kein, kasher anuroyim emes b'nevroyim. And therefore, when you see truth in a creation, in a creature, in a person, ha'gam she'hamit yoshebetnu azu e'na ela l'gabe madrega zu, although it's only a truth relative to their level, And it would not be considered truth on a higher level. For instance, the Ava of a Benini would not be considered a truthful kind of a Vaidilagabe, the Madrega of a Tzadik. But when you see truth on any level, you are forced to say, This strain of truth flows from God. Emes ha'elokus shekayemes u'meira b'nivra. This is a strand of truth, of Hashem's truth, that exists and illuminates within the creation. And, and, and here we come to the, what's in brackets, what made me think about what the shluchim are doing and the the ability for shluchim to leave their wives and children behind who they took out and to go back into the lion's den. Where does that come from? So the Rebbe says, And this, is, this correlates to what we spoke about in another place. Asher So me'edecha can mean your might. Me'edecha, like Rashi says famously, is your money. But me'edecha can mean your every or your very. Me'ed shelcha, the veriest of you. I know that's not a word. Habli gvul shela adam, the infinity that is within the finite man. And when that is expressed, this arouses and this draws down that deepest part from above, the very truest infinity. Even though what is referred to as the ma'oit shelcha, The, the aspect of you that transcends what you think you can do. So it's just the ma'ayit shalcha. For somebody else, it's easy peasy. It's a walk in the park. But for you, it's more than you thought you could ever do. So even though the ma'ayit shalcha is only higher than your own parameters, and really it's a very finite, limited, for instance, in the, in the example, the Ava of Hashem, 
Ulagabe Misha Oyachis Bavoid analysis he ochin ava mugbelas mamish. And as compared to somebody else who's on a higher level, it's mamish a very limited type of ava, mikomokin, but still in all, the achash inin habilik full who rock the elokus. So this is such a, I mean, this this is like unbelievable what the Rebbe says here. That because beligvul, because infinity only exists in elokus, in contradistinction to creatures, because essentially we are limited. You could say that that's the definition of a creation, that is limited. Because we are limited, it is impossible, it is oxymoronic, it is way beyond implausible that we should be able to act in an infinite way. Alkane, therefore, so when you see that a person is engaging in an overture that transcends their parameters and their limitations, as limited as they might be, even as compared to another person. But when you see a person engaged in an avoida, in an overture that transcends their limitations, this is an expression of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. This is connected to Hashem's infinity. And flows from there. Because the, the, the true Balikvul is only with God. So every time we leave, we, 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 we break, you know, we smash the ceiling. Every time we leave our parameters, we're drawing on the and therefore your ma'id is an aspect of Hashem's ma'id, of the bleakvul. And it arouses that level above. And based on this, we can understand in, in, in what we were learning now. So now we're in a position to understand the difference of the Kedusha that is singular for a certain time in history, vis-a-vis the Kedusha that is Lodiris for all time. Harehu The difference is in terms of completion and truth. And it comes from the truth of Hashem. It illuminates the situation and the level of the Jew, the way they are at that time. However, all of this is the truth as it relates to the world and in the world when we're discussing people, when we're discussing creations. But Moshe's MS is an MS that transcends this world. 
Moshe's from Axilos. This is a higher level of MS than the MS that is illuminated in the lives and the parameters of creation. And so from his perspective, in his modality, there is no distinction. But what does the Torah teach us? What does the Torah tell us? But from the fact that Moshe listened and he embraced it, it's understood. That through the agency of Aaron, Aaron affected that even in Moshe's perch where he was standing, there should be a difference. And, and, and what's the explanation? it's known Tachlis Upnimius Hakavana Shall Oilam Hatzilos. It's known that Atsilos acts like a bridge. And ultimately, the intention is to affect the Avoida and the, the, um, revel, the revelation of Elokus in creation, in creations. Here below, behind The reason Atilus could be a bridge between Elokus and Nevroim is because Atilus is comprised of two aspects. Aleph, Atilus mitzat atzma. There's Atilus as Atilus is, that is completely transcendent from the world, from creations, from creatures. And then, based, there's the second aspect of Atsilos, Mitzada Kavana, which is what is the intention of Olam Hatsilos? And that is the aspect of Atsilos that feels and recognizes that it only exists in the first place because of Olam Hatsia. And these two aspects exist in Moshe side by side. There's Moshe, who's the Bechina of Atsilos, as Atsilos is for itself. And this transcends all the differentiations and the plurality that is the true, the truth of this world. But Aaron, who is the accompaniment of the queen, Knesset Yisrael, and he is all about loving all people and bringing them closer to Taira. And what is Taira? Taira is Moshe, Gila. So Aaron revealed within Moshe HaKavana Aaron revealed in Moshe the true and innermost intention regarding the truth of Atsilos. Hakshura, now we're going to the parentheses, which is connected in which is connected with what's happening in this world below. And that's the Kavana. 
שעניינה הוא בשביל הגילוי בנברא למטה. That the whole reason why there's an atzilus, which is transcendent and which is static and eternal, is only because of the revelation that has to come down for the nefarim. And when Aaron revealed this truth within Moshe, vayishma Moshe vayita ve'enav. And the Rebbe here underscores the words Moshe and enav. In his place that was Moshe, he heard the truth about Moshe, not the truth that is transcendent, but the truth that is connected to the world, to Aaron. Hadavar nasa in yanoi shel Moshe bechinas atilus begiloi. So much so that it became his Indian. What is his Indian? Also atilus. But the Bechino that is revealed, Begili, good base. And the lesson for each one of us in our own Avaidah. As long as a person is speaking about their own personal Avaidah, so a person should hold fast and strong and make no concessions and no differences in their avodas Hashem. Of course, always malim bakaydish, but you know, but but steady and uniform. Kishem sheani Hashem loishanisi, like it says about Hashem, I am Hashem, and there are no changes. Kain tzarich liyos gam etel va'atem bnei Yaakov. So it has to be amongst all bnei Yisrael. Avon. But but when it comes to working with or being attentive to another Jew, and 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 being busy with and attentive with other people, Jew or non-Jew, and people that maybe present as their only a redeeming factor is that God created them. Then a person has to get into the headspace of the other person. They have to be mislabish themselves in that person's situation. They have to walk in their shoes. And you have to understand that not all times are the same. You can't start working with another person through pressure and demands that this person should always be in a uniform state of holiness as he might be in special times. So you can't expect him to be um, in shul on a pedestrian Wednesday, just because he's been to shul on Yom Kippur. And when we will be busy with other people, we will, we will relate to other people in this way. Including people who, the only good thing you can say about them is that they were created by Hashem. And we will, we will do this avodah by putting ourselves into their shoes, into their place. Then at the end, 
you will be able to reveal and they will be able to feel the MS. They will come to this higher place of uniformity. But you can't start with that. They will come to the Bechina of Ani Hashem Shanisi. That anything you have to do with God never changes. And when we do this with other people, this will all, when we integrate this approach, then we will also make ourselves more complete and our MS more complete. This is a passage from Tehillim. And then kindness and truth will meet. Righteousness and peace will, will kiss. And Hashem's ultimate desire that this lower plane or level should become his home will finally come to fruition. Um, that is the Sicha of today. And who knew that one could be so transported from, again, a simple Rashi of six words. So wishing everybody um, lots of Hatzlacha with our favorite thing of the year, Hachanas for Pesach. Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, when we start our day like this, we're already on a higher level. Okay, whatever, we'll clean for Pesach, no big deal. That's not where our head is. Uh, so wishing everybody Koltov. And again, it should be a refuah for her of Yosef Yisub and Tima Chasya and for a schus of um, the marriage of Hannah Polter and Menachem Mendel Greenberg, that they should set up a beautiful and wonderful Hasidic Shahom. Yeah. Sorry. One second. I just want to say this makes me think of the idea of Yemin Mekareves a little bit because Yemin is Chesed. You know, and yeah. it, it's yeah. the chesed that brings them closer when the Rebbe says to understand where they are. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can't do it with harshness and judgment. It has to right. be. Yeah. And it's just very, very practical. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's so much here. Yeah. And, and especially this idea that, you know, we're able to pull on the ma'oid, the ultimate infinity, when we break out of our parameters, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. And it's so the opposite of what everybody's always being told, like, you know, take it easy and um, don't work too hard. Yeah, self-care, et cetera. And the is like, just get out of yourself a little and you'll be able to pull on the infinity. It makes me think of you when you always talk about how it was... I don't want to use the word insane or whatever that you were going on. You and your husband were going on a college campus. Oh, never, yeah. that you never believed that that would be your shlichus, but yeah, you're going yeah. out of yourself and you're drawing down that. That's that my husband deserves the credit for that. <laughs> That's for sure. All right, call to everybody. Thank Wonderful you. Week. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.